0: I'm Paul Wiegraf, Director of the Delaware Division of the Arts, and your host for today. Joining me in the studio today is the 2018 Master's Fellow for the Delaware Division of the Arts and oboist, English hornist, uh, double reedist, I should say, Lloyd Shorter. Welcome, Lloyd. Hello. <laughs> Lloyd, our, time, our careers uh, go back, oh thirty 30-some years, I think, in, in my singing in the Delaware area and your your double reed playing and accompanying choral groups. Uh, but I know your background in music goes back much beyond that. I would love for our listeners to hear, because I've heard it before, a little bit about the musical environment in which you grew up that really inspired you to pursue a career in music. Great, thanks, Paul.
1: Um, yeah, uh, my, my grandfather, who, who unfortunately I did not know very well because he passed away when I was four, but my grandfather um, was in, uh, he was in World War I. He, during that time, uh, my father was born in 1918. And when he came back, he started some, a group called Shorter's Orchestra. He was a pianist. And I think he also played French horn. Um, and at that time, it was a dance orchestra. And he actually was the, um, he was featured at the Hotel Pont every night <laughs> and performing at the Hotel Pont. And I, I have recently found this out, that he performed that often there. I knew he had performed there because we'd had a neighbor who had told me that she danced to Shorter's Orchestra. Um, but he he performed, not only did he perform every night, but it was live broadcast on the radio, which if you think about, this is in the 20s, I'm talking about 1925. So if you think about 1925 and what radio was like in 1925, that's kind of amazing. He also performed on um on boats that would go out the Delaware River, some uh, to Pennsville, even taking off from Pennsville. I'm not sure what kind of bridge took us over to Pennsville. It could have been a it could have been actually been a ferry at that time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um he would go to uh he would there'd be these evening cruises that I just in the last year found out about. I found some old advertisements for them where they would they would start at eight o'clock in the evening and dinner and Dinner and dancing for fifty cents.
0: Wow! <laughs> <laughs> Can
1: you imagine? And they would end, of course, after midnight. There'd be cruises down mm-hmm. the Delaware around the yeah. Delaware River and end after midnight. Um, so he did that also, and that's. Um, he also had it later, and towards the end of his life, he had a shoe store on Delaware Avenue. But his prime, his prime interest and way of making money was uh, was through his orchestra. Um, I know he also helped build rail cars at one time, Mm -hmm. as you can imagine. It was a gig economy in the Mm -hmm. 20s, especially after 1929, Mm -hmm. right? So uh, when the Depression hit, people got work any way they could. So uh, my father um, went to the University of Delaware. He graduated. He played piano. He he learned from his father how to play piano. So I grew up in the home with my father playing piano, uh, especially during holidays and as a kid, I would get under the piano to listen, you know, it was a great place to hear Chopin. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, so I grew up with classical music in the home and on all other forms. Of course, I'm, I grew up with the Beatles and all, all, all that stuff. But, um, anyway, back to my father for a moment, because I think his, his, his influence was great. And not only on me, but in the community in that he, he uh, after he finished at Delaware, um, when he was in ROTC at Delaware, and he was over, he was um, he was transferred first to Puerto Rico, where he met my mother. My mother was from Puerto Rico, um, and then he was transferred uh, prior to D-Day over to Europe, and they got married just before that. And she lived with my grandparents here till he returned. She, um, so when he got, when he got back later in the '40s, um, he had started our family. My sister me uh, my and my younger sister and there was as I mentioned there's always music in the home um, but he was an electrical engineer so he got a job with Delmarva Power in designing the power grid for our, our area so mm. I like to tell people whenever you turn on a light switch It works because my dad prepared that 40 years ago, 30 and 40 years ago. So the
0: power grid that still is in operation today. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, except for mine went out last night. But that's another story.
1: (laughs) Yes, but basically our power grid has been more stable than a lot of other places. Yes, Mm -hmm. they had to plan. He was part of the planning department. So um, when I was a kid, we would go to the Franklin Institute, and there was a computer that took up a whole floor, virtually a whole floor at the Franklin Institute upper floor. And it was one of these. Uh, were punch cards, mm-hmm, <laughs> so mm-hmm. I would I would venture around the museum while he was putting in the punch cards, which would plan out a forty to fifty year plan. Mm. So they they always had to try to think that far in advance. It's hard for us to believe that they do that these days, the way things tend to break down and mm-hmm, so on. But mm-hmm. they really did. Um, they were very responsible. He had gone to Harvard after when he got out uh, out of the war and then gotten his master's. So. Um, but back to the music, <laughs> um, the, the way that worked for me was that when I was 10, uh, I was in the Brandywine School District, which was a wonderful school district to grow up in. There was a guy there named Hal Schiff, who's still remembered very well by people in the area, um, and he started me on the oboe in a summer program when I was 10. And I have to say it was the most exasperating thing I'd ever been through because at that time, there nobody around knew much about the oboe. There was only one person in Wilmington who taught it, who taught it privately. And so I started studying oboe, um, at, with, went through a series of horrible reeds. An oboe is a double reed instrument. The reeds are incredibly fragile. And as a 10-year-old kid, you're not known to be very sensitive mm-hmm. to your fragile, fragile mm. <laughs> reads. So, so, And the oboe didn't work well and so on and so forth. But for some reason, I persisted because I, I liked the sound. And um, my parents, of course, were very supportive and went through various instruments. And we finally found a Max and Helen Rerig, who were very well known in the area. Max was a flute player who'd studied with Jean-Pierre Rompau when he mm. was in Europe during the war, who was mm-hmm. the greatest French actually the greatest flute mm-hmm. player of his day mm-hmm. since he was yeah. stationed in France he could study with Ron Pau. so he he was a tremendous musician Max was also a dentist in the area mm. um, and his wife Helen was the oboe teacher and started me and that kind of started the whole thing off so and from there I am here
0: <laughs> wow, so uh, where did you go to undergraduate school? Mm-hmm. Where did where, you where did you get your training beyond okay. high school?
1: Well, I was always enamored of the Philadelphia style of double reed playing, and actually, the person who started that, Marcel Tabuteau, was brought over in the twenties to by Stakovsky, Leopold Stakovsky, and any orchestra fans know that name. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so, and and Tabuteau, who was notoriously cranky, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, taught the line of Oboists who have, or in the Philadelphia Orchestra to this day, and also orchestra players around the United States, the Philadelphia style of re- it had to do with reed making and performance. So I was I was very much enamored of that style, um, but I did not study in Philadelphia until later. I I always had an interest in the English horn, which is closer to my vocal range. It's a deeper instrument. Um, to my to my ear, we get. Um, it's just a little more soulful, mm-hmm. because, you know, mm-hmm. know, describe it. It's an alto oboe, actually. So um so, and Lewis Rosenblatt was the player in that orchestra who I really wanted to study with. But I also wanted to get <laughs> out of Delaware, having grown up in Delaware, um and loved the loved being here, but I thought I should get away from home for a while. Um and I chose to, and I was accepted at Ithaca College, which is in um, Ithaca, New York. Very well, uh, well-known music school there mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. to this day. Um, and I went to Ithaca, and that made a huge difference for me personally also. because Primarily, not just because of the oboe study, but because of the fact that I was very fortunate to be in a community of listeners. Mm-hmm. We we um, I was placed uh, in a music fraternity. The mu- fraternities were in dorms, mm-hmm. and the professional fraternities were in dorms. I was placed in that as a freshman. Was it Phi
0: Mu Alpha? But,
1: no, actually, it was not. It was oh, okay. Kappa Gamma Psi. But oh, that, okay.
0: Phi Mu Alpha is because I was a Phi Mu Alpha at I'll, Penn State. I'll <laughs> bet you were, and, and most most
1: musicians are. It's yeah. a li- it's a lesser known fr- music fraternity that really emphasized chamber music and okay. performance. Okay. Whereas uh-huh. Phi Mu Alpha is a professional fraternity, it, it emphasizes that as well as other right. things, right. right? And I have great respect for Phi Mu Alpha members. But at that time, um, um I was I was in a community of people who wanted to make and listen to music constantly. Hmm. And when I say constantly, I mean like morning, <laughs> afternoon, and evening. And the biggest part of that besides the brotherhood, the people who I was with, obviously, yeah. Um, but the biggest thing for me was then listening to literature, listening mm-hmm. to all types, um, mm-hmm. especially orchestral literature. So that that and playing chamber music, some very obscure stuff. So when I graduated, I moved back. I actually moved to Philadelphia initially, took an apartment there, and then studied with Louis Rosenblatt, the aforementioned English horn player of the orchestra, who was mm-hmm. a fantastic gentleman and a wonderful player. He was known around the world for his performance. And um, started teaching in Wilmington, so mm. we kind of edged back into the into Wilmington, and um, and st- and played almost immediately with the Delaware Symphony. Mm. Now we're talking 1972. Mm-hmm. The Delaware Symphony at that time was um, at Sol- would rehearse at Salesianum uh, mm-hmm. School, high school, and um, and for the first four year, first two years, excuse me, we were there, and then towards the end of those first two years. We played a concert in the Opera House before it was redone. Mm. So – and all I can tell you is that the Grand Opera House um, was the perfect size, the perfect uh, materials for orchestra – for maybe not a very – a huge orchestra, but – it was all wooden plaster. And if you know the Academy of Music in Philadelphia, it's all wooden plaster. Mm -hmm. And the best concert halls in Europe are all wood and plaster, some stone as well. So, um, I was totally taken with it. Um, and then, uh, they rebuilt the hall Mm -hmm. Uh, and we reopened, I think it was with an opera that was written for opera Delaware Mm -hmm. in 1976 that I played in just before the bicentennial. And, um, Oh, what was it called? Oh, it doesn't matter. Anyway, (laughs) it was an opera that was commissioned for the opening. And so, uh, and since then, I've been playing with the Delaware Symphony now, well, the entire time.
0: Well, I want to pursue your uh, professional career, uh, but first let me remind our listeners you are tuned into Delaware State of the Arts here on News Radio 1450 WILM and 1410 WDOV. Our guest in the studio today is Lloyd Shorter, the 2018 Masters Fellow in Music Solo Recital with the Delaware Division of the Arts. Lloyd, I, I just your your story of growing up in music is is just fascinating to me. Uh, but it brought you back to Wilmington, and you you used a phrase earlier on that I I love a gig economy. <laughs> uh, I I remember hearing once. Uh, Theater, the theater profession, but I think it's true of any performing arts profession, that a career in the performing arts is a, it was described to me as a piecemeal career where you are constantly cobbling together jobs, and ideally the majority of those jobs will be in your performing arts field. Now, you have had, I think, an exemplary piecemeal career here in the <laughs> Wilmington area between the Delaware Symphony, your solo performance, and your career at the University of Delaware. Right. Uh, let's talk about your adult career and how okay. how you've balanced all of that oh, over the years.
1: Okay. I Well, I was very, <clears throat> very fortunate at um, one point to get a call from the university. I, I did not have an advanced degree, although I had advanced study with um, – with uh, Lou Rosenblatt and actually Richard Woodhams and Woodwind Quintet workshops. He was the f- he just retired as the first oboist of the Philadelphia Orchestra. Um, I got a call from the University of Delaware asking me to teach there part-time at that time. Um, teach oboe and perform in the woodwind quintet which was that's always been my love chamber music. So um, that was perfect for me at that moment. It was a gig, I was playing gigs here and there <laughs> wherever you know Pennsylvania here um, wherever they needed an oboist at that time, if I got a call, I would I would go. Um, and uh, the, for the university, I was there part time until nineteen. I was well, actually, I was I stayed as a part time instructor. But then at one point, I was asked to be the branch director of the Germantown branch of Settlement Music School mm. in Philadelphia, which is the largest music school, community music school in the country. Mm. Um, so I did that as well. <laughs> so I was teaching part-time at the university, part-time here in Wilmington, even at home, uh, and I think through the music school at that time, and uh, and did that for two years. It, it was a unique experience in that I also ran the summer music camp for the city of Philadelphia, which really taught me a lot about inner city, um, inner city children, inner city music. Um, it was, a, it was a, a, an eye-opener for me. Uh, and then in 1984, at that time, Larry Peterson was the chair at the university, called and said, um, how how would you like to be my assistant? <laughs> and so it was full-time. So mm-hmm. that that's very fortunate to become full-time yeah. at the university and stayed there through 2014, 2015, mm-hmm. when, I, when I finally retired from the university. And um, so that's – that's and and still in the still in the Delaware Symphony and still performing here and there, and at some point in there also I'm going on here. Um, it's important for me to talk about the other group that I'm a part of in Philadelphia actually, which is called Rilash. It's a new music group. There are eight of us. I am the co-artistic director at present, and we commission music from people like Philip Glass, and hmm. and have worked in his studio. And that's really been an eye-opener for me as well. That's been a wonderful experience. And truly, I, I can't tell you how lucky I am mm-hmm. to, be, to be part of that as well, to have composers writing specifically for you and your instrument. Mm-hmm. And I've been able to enlarge the English horn literature as a result of that. And that was one of my quests, is to get more music written for, composed, I should say, for English horn.
0: Mm-hmm. So you, uh, I've heard you speak to this uh, before. Uh, oboe, English horn, and isn't there a third? double There is read a third one. It's,
1: it's in the middle. It's called the oboe d'amore, which That's means it. oboe of love. Okay. Believe it or not, mm-hmm. translates to that. And the oboe d'amore was an instrument that Bach composed a lot for. Um, then it it fell kind of out of favor um, for various reasons. We don't have time to go into. <laughs> right, and then is back in in. Uh, and of course this last year with the martin luther anniversary uh was it 400 years or yeah, that yeah yeah um there i got to play it a little bit more because it's a lot of bach okay okay <laughs> so so yes those three instruments are the primary instruments that i play actually
0: um, it, was, it was 500 years 1519 oh, sorry, yeah, You're five, right yeah, yeah that's 500 right 500 years yeah, yeah. well wow. <laughs> trying to think think reformation dates <laughs> right, from my right, right. history background <laughs> <Good for you. laughs> So, uh, for our listeners uh, that have heard of an English horn, have heard of the oboe, uh, I'm trying to remember which character in Peter and the Wolf is the oboe. I think it's the duck. I could it be. Is or, is the it duck. the duck. And and I, okay. as a
1: matter of fact, my wife wrote <clears throat> once wrote a little piece of paper. She inserted my music and said, "Try not to sound like a duck." <laughs> <laughs>
0: And the English horn is there a, 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 a sort of a familiar piece of uh, yes. that, that people would oh that's what an English horn is yes
1: yeah, yes it's the new the most famous solo that people hear all the time and you hear little bits and be quotes from orchestral music is the slow movement of of Dvorak's New World Symphony okay, um, okay. Mm-hmm. which Dvorak he actually – it sounds like a spiritual, mm-hmm. but it's actually not. He made it up, but it was based on spirituals that he heard when he was touring the U.S. to write that.
0: The New World Symphony. Okay. Yeah. Now, in, in your career, you've, you've, are you still with the Delaware Symphony? I, I am. And you started there in 1972. <laughs> yeah. So you, you've been yeah. through a, a number of different conductors there yes. and a, a number of different iterations of the symphony? Yes. Could, yes. You, could you speak to that? That I must would, be interesting I, to have that long of a career with, with one performing group.
1: I would be very happy to. Um, <clears throat> the, the orchestra has grown over the years, it's a phenomenal. Regional orchestra, and of course, one of the reasons why it is a phenomenal regional orchestra is because of the proximity to Philadelphia. We are able to um, have a lot of young musicians, very talented, who will fill in the ranks because we don't have those people. We have some very talented people in the area, obviously, but not enough uh, sometimes, so to to fill a full orchestra. So. The, the, the Delaware Symphony is made up of a wonderful group of musicians, and many of them truly live by the gig economy we talked about. Mm-hmm. They are piecing together uh, careers on performance, teaching wherever they can teach, um, traveling great distances sometimes. Some of the players in the Delaware Symphony actually come from far, as far away as Baltimore and New York, for um, Since we don't have a huge season, I wish it was larger, but we don't have a huge season, um, we contract when we need to. Uh, and because a lot of the players in the Delaware Symphony also play in groups like the Philadelphia Opera Company, mm-hmm. the Philadelphia Ballet, um, they run into scheduling problems. Mm-hmm. So there's a bank of musicians that um, we can draw from who are excellent. And I, I cannot say enough about David Amato how he's brought the orchestra, he's a phenomenal conductor. He really thinks through the music. He, um, he's great to work with, and David's really made this orchestra into what it is today, and I hope that anybody listening will take an opportunity to come hear it <laughs> in the Opera House, not just outside on mm-hmm. July 4th, because no orchestra really plays at, at its best. I mean, they play at their best, but they don't sound their best outdoors, It's in it's it needs to be heard in a hall. Mm -hmm. So please, if you've never been there, uh, get get tickets, uh, bring your kids. Their children's tickets are are relatively inexpensive and come hear The orchestra live. There's really nothing like it.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, we've got about a minute left. So I would love for you not to put you on the spot, but to ask you to uh, share any advice you might have for young people who are studying music and considering music as a career as a profession
1: sure obviously practice (laughs) (laughs) work hard at it i mean enjoy it you you should enjoy it if you you don't enjoy what you're doing then you shouldn't do it that doesn't you know it goes for anything but in music you really do need to gain your full uh your full technical facility but in addition to that practice listen as much as you can to as many different types of music Um, i think in the future. Musicians are being called on to play all kinds of music, not just the orchestral literature. So, um, uh, use your imagination. Listen, and when I say listen, I mean more than to three-minute pieces that are that are pop pieces. Nothing against them, but listen to pieces that that grow through the expanse of time, mm-hmm. and that is classical music. Real. Mm-hmm. There, uh, there are some short pieces, but not many. Okay.
0: So. Well, Lloyd, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure having Lloyd Shorter, the Master's uh, Fellow Recipient in Music Solo Recital for 2018. It's
1: been my pleasure. Thanks, Paul.